Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. No Greater Hope. That's a series we're in as uh, we're talking about the hope that our God gives to you and to me. A hope that's not off in the a distance when we finally get to see our Savior face to face, but a living hope. A hope that we have today, and it's all centered on Jesus Christ, our Savior, who did die, but rose again. Today we are talking about a word that is so common in church circles. Uh, we use it all the time. Every Sunday, we hear this word. It's a word that we love, that uh, churches are named after. It's a word that girls are named after. Uh, it's a word that uh, one of the most beloved, famous hymns is named. Amazing Grace. Today, we're going to talk about what is so amazing about grace. And we're going to do so because the word grace is uh, so commonly used that sometimes we lose the richness of grace. We lose the flavor, the, the, the strong flavor of grace. Like, like a soda sitting on the counter that had ice in it all day gets watered down. Sometimes the word grace gets watered down because we use it so much. And so what is so amazing about grace. Paul highlights that in Ephesians chapter 2. And so as we work our way through this book, uh, Paul writes to the Christians living in Ephesus around 60 AD. Paul is in prison and he writes to them this wonderful letter of hope. And today he talks about grace. And he does so with three points. Uh, number one, what we're going to see is what is human nature? What is human nature? Number two, what has grace done for us? And number three, what is grace doing for us now? Ephesians chapter 2, here's how Paul starts it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Paul starts highlighting grace by doing what? He first highlights human nature. And it is a bleak and dismal look at humanity. As you look at those first three verses, there's really no hope there. It is a very real look at who we are by nature. Paul says we are dead in transgressions and sins. These opening three verses make us uncomfortable. They make us squirm in our seat. And for some of us, it it even offends us. Why? Because we live in in a culture in 2023 that pumps what? Self-esteem, self-esteem, self-esteem. And if we say, here's who I am, in front, here's who I am, that's a pretty low self-esteem. And yet Paul highlights it. Why? Two reasons. Number one, it's reality. It's reality of who we are by nature. And just like if we go to a doctor who's got bad news for us, we don't want to bury our head in the sand and say, I don't want to hear it. No, we want to hear the bad news from the doctor so we know how to treat whatever's wrong with us. In the same way, we don't want to bury our head to our nature, who we are. Number two, because if we do, we'll miss out on the amazing grace of our God. And that's what Paul highlights here. So, let's work through the bad news, the law, the hopelessness of our nature. Paul says that, We are dead in transgressions and sins. Alive, or physically, we're alive. We're breathing. We're using our minds. We're taking things in. We're seeing. We have relationships. We're physically alive, going about our day. But spiritually, Paul says you're dead. That is how you are by nature. It's your first point today. By nature, I'm dead. By nature, I'm spiritually dead. What nature? Our human nature. The very fact that I'm a human being means that I'm spiritually dead before God. A dead body has no will. A dead body has no choice. A dead body can't do anything for itself. In the same way, God's word says that by nature we are spiritually dead before God. Maybe it helps us to remember what death is. Death is separation. So when we die physically, our soul separates from our body. The body goes to the ground. The soul goes back to God. There's separation there. Spiritually speaking, the reason we are dead is sin separates us from our life source, God. And so we are over here And God is over here, and we are not connected to him. We're spiritually dead. That is who we are by nature because of our sins, Paul says. And Paul says that there are three forces, so to speak, that are keeping us separated from our God, keeping us dead. The first one, if you're following along, uh, verse 2. You're dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. The ways of the world separate us from God, push us farther away from him. 
it doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter what time period you're from. Every culture, the ways of this world, have worked against human beings since the time that Adam and Eve sinned. The ways of this world, the way that group people think, is opposite of God. The ways of this world focus on self-centeredness, focus on identity apart from God, focuses on my eyes on myself, selfishness, focuses on satisfaction away from God. It pushes us further from God. I read an interesting quote this week from an author named David Wells. He said that if you want to know the ways of the world, it's easy. He said, the ways of this world seem right compared to looking at the righteousness in the Bible, and that seems wrong. And so as you look at the Bible and you look at our culture, all you have to do is say, what does our world say is right and good And does it contradict God's word? And which one seems strange? And which one seems right? If the culture seems right and good, and the Bible's righteousness seems strange, you have found the ways of the world. And it works against us to push us from God. It pushes us away. And as you look at our culture, all you have to do is go home and look at what God's word says compared to what American 21st century culture says, and there you'll have the ways of the world working against your soul. Number two is continue. We were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who is that? Satan, the devil. In Hebrew thinking, uh, there was earth, there was heaven, and the air between was where Satan roamed and ruled and had influence. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the devil and his demons are going throughout the world persuading people to live apart from God, whispering lies that say, you'll be much happier if you're out of God's authority. You'll be much happier and enjoy life more if you just take and pick and choose what you want from God. You can have it all. This God does not have your best interest at heart. Listen to me. And he promises and influences and push people away from our God. It's what got Adam and Eve, didn't it? All Satan had to do was say, God told you you're going to die, but you're not going to die. Instead, God's holding out on you. And it's the lie that Satan keeps saying to you and to me and to the world today. God is holding out on you and doesn't have your best interest at heart. And how often we fall prey to it. The world works against our soul, separating us from God. The devil works against our soul and separates us from God. And it keeps us spiritually dead by nature. And so it's at this point that you know what card we love to play? 
what every single, every, everyone here, including myself, loves to play this card. The victim card. Well, it's really not my fault. How could I be held responsible? Look, I've got the ways of the world working against me. How could I possibly stand up to, the, to Satan? He's a, a fallen angel. You know how powerful he is? How could I stand up against his uh, false promises? I have no shot. This can't be my fault. Oh, but look what Paul says. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following it, its desires and thoughts. Uh-oh. No more victim card. Because what does Paul say? Not only does Satan work against us, yes. Not only does the world work against us, yes. But our very nature works against ourselves. We have a sinful nature and we love to gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. In other words, there's a part of us that loves to sin and do what God tells us not to do. Do you want to know if you have a sinful nature? All you have to do is work through, through some of these things. God's word tells us that lusting equals adultery. Jesus said that. Anyone who lusts after a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And yet how satisfying is it to let our thoughts run wild and think about it. Gratifying the sinful desires. God's word tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. In other words, be quick to hear people out. Listen. Look to understand before making assumptions and yet how often we just want to jump to assumptions. And we don't want to hear the other person out. God's word tells us uh, to not give false testimony against your neighbor. Speak well of them. Keep their reputation. Don't slander them. And yet how satisfying is it to go out and, and hear all the gossip and the drama and spread the information that you know. Oh, it's so satisfying, isn't it? God's Word says don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And yet how great is it to have friends over and just get drunk and laugh and have a great time and not feel anything. We all have the sinful flesh and we love to gratify it and its sinful desires. And so we can't play the victim card because there's a part of us that loves all of it. We are dead in transgressions and sins by our nature. There is no part of us that on our own would have any desire to turn to God because we loved gratifying ourselves. We were dead in transgressions and sins. And we had the world working against us. We had the devil influencing us. And we gratified our sinful flesh. And we stood before God guilty. And you know the scary thing. We liked it that way. If you look out in the world and you wonder, how can people be so against God? Because the sinful cravings of our flesh likes it that way. You talk about hopelessness. You talk about demoralizing. You talk about 
not really any reason to have a high self-esteem of us ourselves on our own. All you have to do is look at these three verses and you think, wow, I am dead by my nature and I have no hope. But, look at verse 4. The very first word in verse, verse 4. But. It's a word that we use all the time. And yet in this section of Scripture, it's a word that's filled with hope. It's a word that transitions everything. It's a word that takes this bleak first three verses and it starts to turn. But. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Because of his great love for you and for me. Agape love. Unconditional love of our God. A a love that uh, isn't based on whether we deserve it or not, a love that just happens because God wants to love us, even when we don't deserve it. Paul says, all of this happened even while we were dead in our sins, even while we're over here completely separated from him, no desire to turn. God loved us. And who is God? He is rich in mercy. God owns the world. He is wealthier than anyone could ever be. But what is he most wealthy in? Mercy. Not giving us what our sins deserve. Instead, he gives us what we don't deserve, and that's grace. Through Christ Jesus. He made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. By nature, or by nature, I'm dead. By grace, I'm saved. By grace, I'm saved. It is purely out of the grace of our God, the undeserved love, that he sent Jesus for you and for me. It is purely out of grace that Jesus came to this world to live and have the ways of the world try to influence him, but never once did he give in. It's out of grace that Jesus took on human flesh to come to this world and and allowed Satan to tempt him, to try to get him to buy into his false promises, but he never did once. It is purely out of grace, undeserved love, that Jesus took responsibility for all of our sins and he went to the cross where he paid for them all so you stand before God forgiven. It is by grace that he took you and me dead and separated from God, no desire to come, and he brought us. He went through all of the layers to get to you and me and connect us to our life source, the God of this world, the Lord of life, and it's by grace and grace alone. No one has earned it. No one has deserved it. No one could ever. It's purely out of grace. Some of us here, myself included, uh, we're a bit prideful. And as we approach our God and we approach the spiritual life in which we live, we like to think that we're okay because of what we've done or what we haven't done. We look to our track record and we say, I'm probably good with God because I haven't done this 
I haven't done what those people have done. Instead, what have I done? I've been in church every Sunday. I've been reading my Bible. I'm in Bible study. Uh, I feel pretty good about where I'm at with God. This section of Scripture crushes pride because there's no way you and I could ever earn this or deserve it. It's not on merit. It's by grace. It's not on works. It's by grace and grace alone. Some of us are fixers. Show me what's broken and I will fix it. Well, here's what's broken with your relationship with God. You were separated from him. Great. You're thinking, give me the five steps that I can do to fix this broken relationship. Do I need to apologize? Do I need to go out and buy God a box of chocolates? Do I need to go buy him flowers? What do I need to do to fix this relationship? You can't. There's nothing you can do. It's by grace and grace alone. Some of you are struggling with despair. There's no way God could ever forgive me. This is for everyone else, but not for me. In fact, when I come here or when I go to church, I'm so scared that lightning's going to strike and destroy me. It's not based on how good you are or how bad you are. It's by grace and grace alone. Nobody earns it. Nobody deserves it. It's not by merit. It's by grace. It's no wonder that Paul goes on to say, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. Not even our faith is from ourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works. So no one can boast. What has grace done for you? Taken you and me, so separated from our God, dead in our sins, and connected us to the Lord of life so that you and I are alive and we will live forever in heaven because we are forgiven by grace. But there's one other aspect. That's what grace has done. What does God's grace do for us now? Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We can sit back and, and sometimes think, well, it's by grace, so I can go, I'm going to live however I want. Ah, but even here, God's grace shines through. We are his handiwork, his workmanship, to do what? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. It's not by merit, it's not by works, so no one can boast. But what has God done for you and me? By grace, he's made us alive, and now he's prepared good works so we can go out and be his hands, his feet, his mouth into a world that needs hope. We get to go out and spread this grace to others, doing the works that he's prepared for you to do before creation of the world. You get to go out as one who knows you're saved by grace. Know that the pressure's off of you, and you get to look for all the ways that God has prepared the good works for you to do. And he will show them to you. When we leave here today, this afternoon, there'll be opportunities to show your patience. There'll be opportunities to say no to that sin, but to do the good that God has called you to do. There'll be opportunities to help that person. There'll be opportunities to spread kindness. There'll be opportunities to spread the message of Jesus Christ as you talk to somebody. The good works are there prepared in advance for you to do because God has work for us to do all out of his grace. It's no wonder that we get to sing at the end of this service 
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. That's what's so amazing about grace. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, uh, as we look at who we are by nature, it's a very bleak look. Uh, we follow the ways of the world. We follow the devil who leads us far away from you. Uh, we even wanted to satisfy the cravings of our flesh, and, and we wanted to live in sin. We wanted to do the things that you told us not to do and not do the things you told us to do. Uh, we were hopeless and helpless, and yet by your grace you came after us. By your grace you won salvation for us. By your grace you forgive us. By your grace we have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amazing grace. Help us to treasure this. Help us to have a real, real reality and realistic look of uh, who we are. Because when we do, uh, we get filled with such great esteem, with such worth, such value, that you would come after us, someone who was so, was so far from you. Uh, crush our pride and fill us with hope uh, because it's only through you that we have all this and we thank you for it. As we leave here today, let us go out and live and work to your praise and glory. Let us see the works that you have prepared in advance for us to do and let us do them. Let us take advantage, not because it earns us anything, but because we want to say thank you for the grace that you have for us. We thank you for Jesus. Help us in this. Send your spirit to guide us and lead us as we carry this out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.